Well, good morning again to everybody. I uh, hope you're having a good week. Uh, a lot of things going on, and uh, glad to see everybody here in person. And if you're online with us, then uh, we're glad you're here as well. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. Uh, and so today, uh, we are in our series. Uh, we're in the book of Revelation, so go ahead and turn there. Uh, we'll be in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And today we get into the churches, so if you've been waiting uh, for that moment that we start talking about the churches, then here it is. Uh, for some of us, we go, oh, I read some of that stuff about the churches, and oh man, I, I feel convicted at times. Is, uh, is that where we're at? Is this where we're at? Are we doing these things well? Are we not doing others well? Well, I hope that as we go through this, um, we'll have a good picture of that. We'll be able to kind of see some things clearly as Jesus lays out for the churches uh, where they're at, okay? And today we're looking at uh, the church in Ephesus, church in Ephesus, one of the more well-known churches in Asia Minor. Um, Paul devoted a, a whole book of the New Testament to Ephesus, and so we know a little bit more about Ephesus than other places. And the phrase that I want you to remember is just this, a first love, a first love. And so when we think about a first love, uh, many of us go back to the time when we uh, saw our spouse for the first time. Uh, I know uh, when I saw Christy for the first time, uh, it was, you know, very uh, movie-esque. The, uh, it seemed like time slowed down, and like music was playing, as her hair was waving in the wind, uh, although she was, yeah, yeah, she didn't like it when I talk about her. So, uh, yeah, when she, but she was walking into a classroom, so I don't know how that works, but that's just, you know, that's just what happened for me. Uh, and so I, you know, I think back to that and all the things that progressed because of that in a the first love that I had that turned into, well, real love. And you know, as you, as you see somebody for the first time, there's that initial infatuation. You think, and that person is awesome. Like, I'm going to love them so much. And you will, and you'll try. And things will be difficult at times, right? And at times, I feel like, too, we, we get away from that first love, that first feeling or that first picture um, that we experienced when we first met that other person. And so today, I hope that we kind of think about that a little bit, because as Jesus unpacks for the church where they're at, um, we should think about the loves that we have in our life, our spouse, our children, our family, because Jesus is going to relate directly to that. He's going to help us understand that in some of these relationships, we get a better picture of how we have loved God. And at times, we've maybe stepped away from Him, okay? And so just to remind us, the vision statement for the church, we talked about this last week, but our vision is we want to be about loving Christ, growing the church, and reaching the community. And I hope that every aspect of our ministry and our church and everything that we say uh, reflects that. And if it doesn't, then let me know, uh, because that's what we want to measure ourselves to. And so I hope you're already in the book of Revelation in chapter 2. And we're about to dive into it. I want to give you a little bit of background, and I'll do this every week. Um, John, who is on the island of Patmos, is... Uh, writing this letter. He's writing directly what he's seeing. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen this, um, uh, this introduction to an evaluation of the churches, and, and we also look at a vision for this evaluation of the churches that is leading into what Jesus is going to tell us today in Revelation chapter 2. And, and John's on this island, not like an island like you would think of, like in the Bahamas. It was not a fun place. Uh, it was a place where uh, the government sent people to die. Uh, other criminals would be put there. Uh, it was a very desolate place. There wouldn't have been much to eat, um, and people would have been kind of at each other to get what they could. So, again, think more Hunger Games than Bahamas of where uh, John was at. So he's writing this letter, and, and Jesus is he's really opening up space and time, and he's bringing him into a place that, that really nobody else has seen 
in all of history. And can you imagine uh, John who was uh, with Jesus during his ministry? Um, he, he, he watched as he was crucified. He took his mother under his wing and took care of her after Jesus. He raised from the dead and then went on into heaven. And Jesus was like, hey, here's my mother. He, she's your mother too. And so John was not just anybody, right? Um, he could have, from the start of this book, gone, hey, guys, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I don't know if you know me, but there's been some important things that I've done, and now I'm going to talk to you about the end. Uh, no, he, we remember reading at the very beginning, he says, your brother. Um, and so John doesn't count himself as anything more than what he is, just a follower of Christ and a brother to the church, okay? And we think about that as we read this. And so as John's writing, as he's seeing these things, and Jesus is giving him these words about the church in Ephesus, um, we're going to see a few things. But just remember, um, in Ephesus as well, this was a place that was pretty difficult, really hard ground. There were a lot of things that were going on that were in complete opposition to God. So think about that, the secular culture. Uh, but then at the same time, there were also groups of people who were claiming to be believers. They were claiming to be Christians, but they really weren't. And so they were distorting stuff. And, and so Ephesus had to deal with a lot of different issues, right? People blatantly against God and the people who said they were for God. And they really weren't. And so uh, let's be thinking about that as we read this, because we, we hear about a first love and we think, oh man, you know, I know Jesus and I will never fall away from him. I will never struggle. Well, you know, that's true for all of us, right? We struggle, we fall short all the time, and we have difficult seasons, right? As Rachel shared, difficult seasons. And then we come to a point where we realize, man, I need to get back to that place where I first came to know Jesus. And for some of us, it was like I was a little kid, right? And so you came to know Jesus, and you're like so excited in his life, and as things go on and things get difficult, you're like, I don't know, it seems really tough. Well, Jesus is going to give us some encouragement. And right off the bat, he says here uh, in the first fill-in-the-blanks, is just going to be the good, okay? So fill-in-the-blanks are going to be easy today, the good. Uh, and so in verse 1, uh, we see a good God. And we have to know God in order to love Him, right? We can't, just, we can't just know about Him, right? We know a lot of people that know about God. And so we'll see in verse 1, it's going to tell us, hey, how do, we really, how do we really know God? It says here in verse 1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So we saw this great picture of who Jesus is. Uh, last, we were looking at this vision of like uh, John, he's, he, he's looking into heaven and eternity, and he's seeing all these amazing things about God and who he is. And then here in verse 1, he, he reminds him, and, and, and here's what he says, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the golden lampstands. Remember those gold lampstands, the churches? So he's, he, he's in in the midst of them. He's holding these seven stars who are the uh, pastors of the churches. So he's, he's leading. He's trying to guide and direct them, uh, who will guide and direct the churches, which are the lampstands. And sometimes I feel like we kind of get a strange picture of Jesus at times, right? We don't really see him for who he is. And in verse 1, we see he, he's clearly aware of what's going on. He's in charge. He's walking amongst these things. He's holding the pastors in his hands, uh, and he's about to give us some more direction about the good. And, and as I was thinking about this, we, we kind of get have different pictures of church hierarchy, like, like who's in what position, why they're there. Uh, and so we're actually going to have a new members class after the service today. So if you haven't gotten to be a part of that, I'd encourage you to. But we'll talk about some of those things, church leadership. Uh, and um, I went back to a place of VBS. It was kind of a crazy week if you guys were there. So there was a lot of bad weather, and we were at the park, and then we came back over here the next week. And yeah, at times I was just going like, God, what is going on? Um, and then God did some amazing things, didn't he, right? We were able to use this space. I just saw, you know, kids with a giant parachute thing, and 
was like, this is amazing. So inside the building. But as kids were leaving, I uh, was standing at the door, and a parent uh, came up and, uh, and asked me, are you the pastor? Sometimes they're not sure, right? They're like, are you the youth guy? Are you one of the students? <laughs> I don't know. And Because uh, so, I've gotten that before. And uh, so are you the pastor? I said, yeah. And um, uh, Peter, who is with the, uh, the uh, Zuber family, and uh, he, he was standing by the door, and I didn't know he was behind me, so he kind of startled me. So this guy asked me, are you the pastor? I said, yes. And Peter goes, that's right, in a really loud voice. <laughs> he's standing behind me. He goes, and he's the boss of this church. <laughs> I said, Peter, buddy. I said, God's the boss of this church. I said, I'm, I'm just glad to be the pastor of the church, and to, and to hopefully, in the place that I hope I am, like we talked about and we sang about, that there is this place where I hope I'm at most of the time. I mean, on, on my knees, seeking direction from God, um, and that I'd be fortunate for um, Jesus to be holding and giving me direction. That's the place I want to be. So, uh, so <laughs> thank you, Peter, for that, and uh, just a reminder, right, a reminder of where we need to, need to be. And so as Jesus is talking to the church, uh, he wants us to remember who he is. And I love what A.W. Tozer said in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so when we read this, do we, do we really see it and we go, man, God, he's a serious dude. He's very powerful. He's, he's holding the pastors in his hand. He's really holding the whole world in his hand, right? We sing about that. He's walking amongst the lampstands. He's not just uh, like, he, he's not just over here going, okay, churches, yeah, I didn't, do your thing. Like, I'll be back in a while to check up on you. You know, he's walking amongst the churches. So he's very involved in what's going on. And so the question is, do we picture Jesus like this little guy who's, you know, in our pocket? And then when things are difficult, like we go to him, we say, we need some help. If you could, you know, if you could come out and help us, then that would be excellent right now. But then when things are good again, we're going to put you away, okay? Because sometimes you make us feel uncomfortable. And so no, Jesus, he's very much, whether or not we like it, he's in the midst of what's going on. He wants to give us direction. He wants us to hear it. And so that's verse 1. Verse 2 kind of helps us understand what, why do we do good, right? So we come to church. Uh, we, you know, we participate in other things. You know, like small groups, we're starting up those again. So that's been awesome with the youth and the kids. Uh, and tonight, uh, our, one of our adult groups, that if you have uh, kids who are teenagers, is going to meet tonight here at the church. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. There's a group for everybody. And so um, in the same way, we're going to see Here's what it says, why we continue to do good. Why do we do good? Here's what it says. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. So Jesus is not unaware of who we are or what we're doing. He wants to encourage us. He says, I know your works. In the Greek, the aragon, meaning deeds, acts, or what you have been putting your effort into. So, so where are we putting our effort? Like, where are we putting our focus? Like, uh, and it's easy for us to say, well, I come to church on Sunday. So I put my effort there. But what else are we doing? Are we committed to daily devotion to God? Are we, are we putting any other effort for? Are we, are we like looking forward to being a part of a community? Are we keeping involved with people throughout the week? Are like we reading the prayer list and like actually taking a moment to go, oh, man, I need to pray for them because they are my brother and sister, a family of faith. So we do this together. So we need to be reminded that our works, and so Matthew 5.16 says this, uses the same word here for works. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father who is in heaven. Um, so why do we do these things? How do we keep doing them? Well, uh, we do them 
for God because we love him. We do these in community. Uh, and then we also do them so that the rest of the world just like should look in at us and go, there is something really different about them. It's strange. It's cool. I think I may like it. And so, so we want people to be able to look in at us and go, there's something there that I don't have. And I want that, right? So where in the world can you come to a place where people of all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic statuses, all different places, all different kinds of work, and somehow we're all in this place and we're all unified in this one purpose to follow God faithfully, right? So how do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us here, he says, I know your works, right? It's not like you have to pretend to be something else. Your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles. Now, this was another issue for the church, as, uh, as well as people who were just like, yeah, we don't worship God, like we don't want anything to do with him. Uh, there are people who are going, yeah, we're Christians, but, you know, the gospel, I mean, Jesus, like, yeah, maybe he was a real dude, and maybe he came, he did some stuff, but he's not really God. And so there are people who would throw things in there and say, yeah, we're believers, but, yeah, we don't believe part of this stuff, right? And so you can't do that, right? You can't take what you want out of it. And so, and Jesus is saying, hey, this is good. I want you to keep doing this, all right? So continue to do that. And that's in verse 2. And in verse 3, it tells us how we continue to do good, right? So how do we focus on this? How do we go, what is the good? Uh, I want to continue to be able to do that. And verse 3 says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Wow. That's a good word, right? And especially in it's, the last couple of years have been tough, right? Even now, like new things come out and it seems like everybody has been taking a side for like the last couple of years and, and one person's over here and one person's over here. You could be a part of the same family. Uh, you could be a part of the same family of faith. And, and if you don't do what the other person does, then they're bad and they're evil and they're wrong, right? And that's what the world's telling us right now. Instead of going, well, what should we be doing? Well, how do we continue to do the good? He says, I know you are enduring patiently. Right, man, that's a word that we need, right? We need to be enduring patiently what's going on. And some of this, I think, we're on the side of, oh, you're not doing the right thing. So you're bad or you're wrong. And what is God asking us to do to endure patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, right? Well, that's tough, right? And there's been times, right, especially in this season, where we just feel like, weary and we're like, how do we keep going on? Well, he uses this word for patience or patiently in the Greek. It's the word hupomeno, meaning to be steadfast or constant. Um, It's used in James chapter 1 a couple of times in verses 3 and 4. It says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And let the steadfastness have its full effect. So how does this take place? Well, it doesn't just happen like that, right? So, so sometimes we were just like, God, I'd like the test, but I'd like it to be short, you know? I'd like it to be like multiple choice or maybe even true-false. Those are really good. Like, I like those kind of tests because it's 50-50. Like, you study, right? Man, I'm, I mean, I got a good shot, right? So I'm going to get it. I like those kind of tests. Not fill in the blank, like, not like the paragraph or like short answer because I never did well in those, right? I know some of you understand that. And so this test, more often than not, is a test that, takes place over an extended period of time that involves grief, that involves heartache, that involves difficulty. And as we walk through the midst of that, Jesus, he wants to encourage us, right? He says, like the church in Ephesus, I know you are enduring patiently to be steadfast in the steadfastness in order for it to have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing, right? And maybe some of the times, too, we go through that test and we're like, man, I'm feeling better. Like, God's encouraged me and I've walked through that and I, and I still love him and I want to follow him. 
And we're like, all right, so I'm good. And then the next test comes, and the next one, right? So it's never ending until we are standing before God in heaven. And that's what James is talking about. He says that you may be perfect. When are we perfect and complete and lacking nothing? Standing before God, right? So the test is not over. I know a lot of us would be like, well, thanks for that. <laughs> I, uh, I was kind of hoping the last test was the last one. Like I graduated, I'm done with school, don't have to do that anymore. Well, no, how do we continue to keep doing this good We've got to keep a right perspective, right? We have to know that this testing, this difficulty, it's not going to stop until we're standing before God, okay? And so that's the good. And the second fill in the blank is the bad, right? So we got the good, we got the bad. And each of the churches that we look at, they're going to have some semblance of this. Here's some things you're doing well. Um, here's some things you need to work on. And here's this end result. You know, you need to change something, do something a little differently, and continue to be faithful, right? So here's the bad. And in verse 4, um, we see how to understand and see the bad, right? So, Because sometimes we're blinded, right? And we're doing things that are sinful or wrong or just um, uh, maybe we're just unaware of, right? And that happens. And we need people to come alongside us and help us. And so in verse 4, it says this, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Oh, man. You hear those words. And when I, when I read them for the first time, and Jesus is saying, but I have this against you. Oh, I mean, that should hit us like a ton of bricks. What does the Lord have against us? I, I want to know what that is, right? Uh, when uh, I know if you look throughout the life of David, and we've been looking through that in Second Samuel, and he, he made a lot of mistakes, right? Uh, sometimes there was somebody else who had to come alongside him. You remember reading about the prophet Nathan who said, hey, man, this was bad. You took the one guy's sheep. You're the man, right? And so we have to be reminded of those things, sometimes by other people. But David throughout his life, too, would go, God, if there's anything that doesn't honor you, would you take that far, far away from me? And so that was most of David's life, but he even still had to have a brother, a prophet Nathan, come and go, man, what did you do? And we need people around us. We need the family of faith for that purpose, to be able to help us. And Jesus says this, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So this has ever happened in relationships too. Uh, maybe for you guys in, in marriage, right? As you kind of go throughout and the years go, go by and you go, how do we renew this? How do we... Um, restore this? How do we encourage it? Because there's seasons of difficulty, right? There's times where you just go, do we still have the same feelings that we did at the very beginning? And you have to go, let's remember why we love each other. Let's remember why God has put us together and to celebrate that. In the same way, uh, Jesus talking to the church, he says that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So, how do we get back to this? And this isn't just like somebody coming up to you on the street, somebody you don't know and going, hey, you're, you're bad. Like, you're not good at this. Like, I don't like you. It's easy for us to, for somebody we don't know, who know doesn't know us, right, to just go, you're crazy. I don't have to listen to you, right? Uh, and sometimes we'd like to have that perspective of people who really know us too. Because when somebody really knows us, who really loves God, who's maybe mentoring us, comes to us and says, hey, I think there's this thing that you might need to work on, that you might need to think about. And then we go, oh, I guess I have to listen, right? So when Jesus says it, we need to listen because he says that they've, le they've left this love that they had at first. And the word here for having abandoned in the Greek, it's the word FMA, meaning to neglect, depart, or disregard. It's found here in 1 John 1, 9. It's actually translated differently in the English. It's translated as forgiven. So 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, you may know it, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is he? He's faithful and just to abandon us from all 
of our sins, all the, all the penalty, all the consequences of that. In the same way, Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, hey, you've abandoned this love you've had at first. By the way, I haven't abandoned you. If you've put your faith and trust in, in me, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, I've not abandoned you. I've taken care of you. In fact, what I have done is I've abandoned your sin and the consequences of it. So at times we go, man, we stumble, we make mistakes, and we, we kind of take a sidestep. And Jesus he uses the same word here, I think, for a reason, because we read this in 1 John, we go, he's forgiven. What has he done? He's, he's abandoned all these consequences of sin for us. While at times we go, yeah, I just I forgot why I love you in the first place. We have to go back to that place and say, God, if that's us, if that's us, how do we get back to that? And in verse 5, he's going to tell us. He's going to help us understand how we get back to the good, right? We got the good, we got the bad. He says in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you, remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So we heard Rachel share with us about her story, kind of coming to a, a difficult place where she was just at rock bottom, and she had to go, there's some things that are not right. Now, there's some things that I'm doing or focusing on that don't honor the Lord. And what did she say? I had to repent of those things. So it wasn't that after coming to know Jesus, she, she was like, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore, right? That's not what she said. She realized she came to this place where she had just been focusing on the world and everything else in it. She didn't go, I'm completely lost. She went, I just need to turn full circle and head back towards God because he's always there, right? He's not abandoned us, but at times we abandon him and we say, does he really love us? Does he really care about us? Why did I love him in the first place? Well, verse 5 says, remember where you've fallen from, right? Sometimes it's hard. We're like, I can't see the, through the fog. There's been so much that's gone on since then. How do I even get back to that place? And the clear word here is this word of repentance. And Rachel mentioned it a couple of times. And I don't want you to forget that because there's no place that you could go that could be so far away from God that you could never get back to him, Okay. And if you put your faith and trust in him, like what Jesus is saying, he said, you've just left your first love. You're doing a lot of things really, really well, doing a lot of things that are really, really great, but you've left the first love. So repent and turn back and seek after me like you did at first. Do you maybe remember when you met the person that you're with now, your significant other, and at the very beginning, you were like, always spending time together, right? always holding hands, always looking at each other in the eye, you know, always saying, I love you so much, right? What? You guys aren't doing that? <laughs> I remember that. I still try to do it. And so maybe, uh, maybe sometimes we, we think about that and we just need to go, man, I need to get back to that place. It's one of the reasons I love having David and Rachel around, right? We have just seasons, people who are in different seasons, and we go, hey, remember how that was, right? It's not that you stop loving each other, you forget those things, but you go, man, that's a sweet season of life, isn't it? And we we think back to our relationship with God in the same way. We're like, man, we first put our faith and trust in Jesus. It was like so amazing. And God's saying, it doesn't have to stop, right? You can go right back to him. You can repent. And all those things that maybe you've just been sitting on your life, just kind of surface level, and you're just letting them bog you down. Jesus says, repent and do the works you did at first, if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And these lampstands, they were representative of the churches, right? So there's a lot of churches around here, a lot of small churches. And what I see a lot of churches closing down, churches being bought by businesses, by homes, by whoever, being demolished. And that's really sad, isn't it? 
And I believe a lot of these churches, this is the place they went to. They forgot their first love of God. Why, did, why were they doing what they were doing to begin with? Why did they come to a place to worship? And they just kept coming to that place and just going, like, I, at some point, why are we here anymore? And people left the church, and the church closed down. And I really want us to examine this because there's a consequence for it, right? He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I think there's a lot of churches, too. They're still meeting as a group of people, but I'm not sure they have the lampstand there anymore. I'm not sure they're a beacon of hope or light for the community. And Jesus is going, it's because you didn't listen to me to begin with when I said, go back to where you were. Go back to that first love. So luckily, Jesus doesn't leave it there. Last fill in the blank is the conquerors. The conquerors. And so we're going to see this word uh, many times throughout the book of Revelation. There's going to be the good stuff the church is doing. There's going to be the bad stuff they're doing. Like, hey, you need to, you need to work on this a little bit, right? If you want to keep the lampstand, if you want to keep the church in its influence, which is, by the way, being held together by God, uh, he, he's going he's gonna to give us some encouragement and say, hey, here's what the conquerors are going to do, right? Here are these people who are going to stand before God, and he's going to go, man, good job, everybody. Let's celebrate for eternity, right? And so here's what he says. He's going to leave it with hope pretty much every time he talks to the, one of the churches. Uh, in verse 6, it says, Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so what do we need to be about? Well, we need to be these conquerors through same thought, right? So we go back to this first love, and as we're on our knees and as we're looking at the Word, as we're surrounding ourselves by other believers and trying to walk faithfully together, uh, being held accountable by them, uh, we come to this place of we need to be of the same thought. So Jesus reminds them, here's the good stuff, here's the bad stuff, and then here's how we walk. Here's how you walk as conquerors. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so it's, it's a good thing to go, man, we are... Here are the things we're doing well. We're following Jesus like we're, we're in the Word. We want to be of the same thought. and We want to go back to that love that we had at first. We want to be aligned with God in thought, right? Because there's a lot of crazy things going on right now. There's a lot of different ideologies uh, and theologies, even in the church, that depart from the Bible. Like, you think that's crazy. Like, we have, like, this really specific guidebook, and people just at times go, yeah, you know what? This stuff's really good, but, you know, there's this part I don't like. So we're just not going to read that part, okay? Uh, so uh, you know that's not what we do here, right? We want to have the full counsel of God's Word. We want to read through it. It's one of the reasons that we go through books of the Bible. We do book studies. Um, we do topical things, but then we also kind of stick to these larger sections of text that, if I'm being honest, at times there's places where I go, oh, I don't know that I want to talk about that because that's hard, right? But what does the Word of God do? When we go back to this place of this first love, uh, Jesus reminds us that if we're doing this, we're going to be of the same thought, right? And so uh, Jesus is saying to the church, hey, you've got some good things going on. Let me give you some encouragement um, as we exit this word to you. You have this. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which Jesus says, I also hate those, right? The things that they're doing. Who are the Nicolaitans? Well, they were this group of people uh, that, that kind of was, they subdivided when Christianity started. And they said, we're going to follow you know, the teachings of Jesus, all that stuff's good, but we're just not sure we're going to you know, do everything else, right? We kind of think like, I mean, you know, singing, praising God, or, you know, believing he can do miraculous things, like, that's weird. And, um, you know, we don't know that we can believe in some of that stuff. So you want to, you know, you want to be a Christian, you can be in our group, the Nicolaitans. So we're going to just kind of do what we think feels right at the time, or what we feel better about. And Jesus is going, man, I'm glad you guys aren't like them. I'm glad you guys are staying true to the word. You have the same thought, so we can be these conquerors through same thought. And the last verse, 
we're conquerors through our identity, right? Because at times we, we get bogged down, right, by the world. We, we make our own mistakes. We fall away from that first love, like Jesus said. And then here he gives us a word of encouragement. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So when things are going difficult, when things are tough, like do we look back to this picture like we, we looked at last week, this vision of who Jesus is. He's got these, uh, these royal garments on. He's got this gold sash. Um, he, he's in heaven as we're looking at him, you know, at the throne. I mean, what did John do? He like, he falls down and he, he's like, what do I even do, right? He's overwhelmed by who Jesus is. And this is, should be the place that we are that we know we will be with God in heaven, right? That we have this confidence. So as conquerors, we're not walking around in the world like at every you know, little difficulty having fear, right? Because at times that can really push us away from God and, and we'll go, well, I, God, do I really believe falling, falling to the wayside so far like the Nicolaitans? That's why Jesus said, hey, uh, I'm glad you guys don't like what they're doing because I don't like it either because it's not really Christianity. And then he reassures them, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, there's this guy named Andrew of Caesarea. He was a church father. He said, every person has a physical ear, right? Everybody has physical ears. And then he said, but, the only, but only the spiritual person has spiritual ears. So you can walk around in the world today. You can hear the things that are going on, the road noise, the people talking at your work or as you go about your day, and you hear a lot of things physically, right? But the question is, what Jesus poses to us, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So as Jesus is directly speaking to us, there's a question of, are we going to listen? Are we going to hear? Well, if we have Jesus in our lives, if we put our faith and trust in him initially, and he's just saying, just come back. If you would just come back to this place where you had this first love, remember how great that was if you would just come back and if you would have the same thought and remember, remember, because there's going to be those testings, right? There's going to be those times where we have to go, are we going to be steadfast? And we can if we remain in the same thought and then our identity belongs to God. Like when we hear these things, we should be encouraged and we should go, man, that, that's such a good word to hear. And then we leave this place and sometimes we get discouraged. But what does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to keep coming back to this place where we go, we are conquerors. We belong to God because he says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Can you imagine being in that place with God? I mean, all throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus is going to remind us what it's going to look like. He's given this picture to John so that we can have hope that as we walk through these difficult seasons, as we try to be steadfast and we go back to that first love, it's not that we don't acknowledge what reality is, right? We see the good things the church does, right? But we should also acknowledge we need to work on things. We need to increase. We need to do better because we can have confidence at the end of the day. I mean, when the enemy whispers in our ear, because he does every single week, right? We like to pretend like he's not there. We just had this series on spiritual warfare, so we were probably more uncomfortably aware uh, of Satan's presence and evil forces. And so we have to be in this place where we go, we know it's going to come, right? Satan's going to come. He's going to whisper in our ear, and he's going to say, you're worthless. You're not, you're not good for anything. What does God want to do with you? And then we remember what Jesus said to the churches. He says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So maybe it's just a matter of remembering, right? 
that thinking back to that first love that we had, how amazing it is and how we can get back to that place. We talked about that repentance. So whatever's going on in our life, that maybe God's even, he's like convicting of us, us uh, you know, right now. And he's done that in the past, but it's just easy to, no, no, I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to deal with it. But then he brings it back to, he says, if you want to be in that right place, if you want to have this perfect fellowship with me, this is who you are. This is where our identity comes from, to the one who conquers. Where will we be? We're going to be in paradise, right? Isn't that good news? I mean, no matter what we go through right now, all the difficulty, this steadfastness that will come, that will last throughout our entire lives having to walk through the test, not just the simple easy one we might take in school one day. We just need to remember, don't we? Well, I have some favorite clips that I like to use, and I'm going to show you one uh, before we close. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screens. Oh, sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. go back. I'm not who I used to be.
a kind of a cool picture. I remember, you know, most of us growing up watching those kind of movies, the Disney movies, the animated ones. And there are things that I think we forget, pictures that uh, point us towards who God is. And I remember when I, I was thinking about that and seeing somebody, he's looking down in the water and he's going, your dad's right there, right? He lives inside of you. And, uh, and what a greater picture because sometimes we forget, right? We get bogged down in life and Jesus goes, I think you've forgotten your first love. And so come back, uh, repent. And so I'm glad... Um, We've been able to have this time and, and just ask that serious question. I think we all have to ask it and go, is there something that's keeping me from having that kind of relationship that I had at first? And whatever that is, um, it's probably different for every single one of us. Uh, but we need to go back to that place and go, God, how do we worship you wholeheartedly? Um, how do we have that love that we had for you at first? Because there's the good, there's the bad. And then we need to be reminded, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we are conquerors. And we can walk with him faithfully, keeping the perspective of eternity uh, in our minds. So like that, you see, I kind of I love that too, because it's like a picture of Jesus when he comes back. He's on the clouds, right? He's cracking open the sky. Uh, and as we think about that, it should encourage us, right? That we've got hope, that we don't have to just sit in our sadness, in our depression, in our, in our state of hopelessness, right? Because it's not us. It's the rest of the world. And we have hope. We have this first love that we can go back to. Um, and so I'm encouraged as we look through the rest of these churches in the book of Revelation. Um, I know it's going to be a lot of fun together to think about these things uh, and to be encouraged in it together. Uh, but maybe if you've been listening to this and uh, you're, you're listening online, you're here in person, you've never made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Uh, we know it's as easy as this to admit that you're a sinner. Uh, maybe you're like, I've never had that first love with God. Uh, well, admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he came and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross he was raised from the dead so that each one of you could have eternal life if you choose to trust in him. Scripture tells us if we confess with our mouths that he's Lord, um, then we will be saved. So maybe you just need to take that step today. If you're online, then reach out to us. If you're here in person, uh, I'll be here afterwards to talk with you. Uh, let me pray with you, and we'll close. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Um, God, we pray that as we uh, look to uh, the revelation, as we look towards this amazing picture of who you are and, and how you remind us of what you're going to do when you come back, and all these things that you showed, John, this amazing picture of who you actually are right now. Um, God, let us not be satisfied with just this, um, this version of you that's not really who you are. God, I pray that we would see the things that, that we do well. God, we know you acknowledge that for the church in Ephesus. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's what we do, and here's what we do well, God. But if there are things that don't honor you, God, I pray that um, through your own um, convicting of us, um, that we would seek you in repentance, each of us individually, each of us personally, that we might go back to that place. And maybe we just need to be reminded. Maybe there's somebody else in our lives that needs to remind us um, of the hope that we have because, God, you, you didn't want to leave the, cur- the church unencouraged. You wanted to encourage them. And so you, you left them with that peace that there are those who are conquerors, those who hear by the Spirit what you say to the churches. I pray that we would hear that, apply it to our lives and that we would think about this paradise, this hope that we have that, that gives us this ability to think rightly in this life, um, to have hope, not that there won't be difficulty, difficult seasons, testing, but we will have to remain steadfast. How do we do this, God? We know it. We do it through you, through this love that we've had for you at first. Uh, if there's anybody here, God, who doesn't know you, anybody listening, I pray that this would be a day that they'd make that decision to trust in you for the first time. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I uh, love you, church. Have a good Sunday. Um, just as a reminder,